podcast. Welcome. Here we are. We have a guest with us today. Hi, I'm Donnie. Donnie! <laughs> Donnie. <laughs> you may have seen him before. He mm-hmm. uh, plays a percussion instrument. One of them, at least. One of them. Okay, so. okay. Is the drum set an instrument, or is it like... Seven instruments. Hey, I don't know. The piano might be more than two because it's the piano is kind of one instrument. You can't take half. But a it's piano a percussion <laughs> instrument. Kind of. Is every key? <laughs> it's it's the same thing. It's like a pair of pants, but you only have one pant that you wear at a time. You're That's not wearing. True. You're not wearing two pairs of pants. You're wearing one. I think it's but singular. It's a pant leg. It's drum set. So like you yeah, got a singular it is one group of drums. Group. But you can also play them as individuals because I mean, but you when, don't say I play the drum. You say I play the drums. In, in high school percussion, we were so like stretched thin. Like one kid would play the high tom, and like, that was it. <laughs> and he'd have two notes, bad. and then he'd just stand there for like <laughs> thirty-five measures of rest. Yeah, have you guys seen that reel where they do the yeah, and the kid yeah. like runs up and he's like. Clap. Yeah, that would have been me in in, in what? <laughs> Being that kid <laughs> is yeah. so fun though. <laughs> yeah, I've been the only thing I could play. Can you play uh, clear the chalkboard? The uh, racers. But <laughs> to be honest, slap, that takes more skill, a uh, certain kind of skill that I don't mean to be harsh. I don't know if you have. I, which is listen, patiently waiting. Listen, Ryan, I play my steering wheel <laughs> percussionly better than anyone I know. But here's what I'm saying. Do you? Wait for three minutes of your three and a half minute song that you're playing the steering wheel to, to play one note. Nah, that, it See, takes some that's effort. The, that's I, the skill set. I put it on mute. It takes then. a patient person. <laughs> I think Katrina could do that. What if they only handed it to me at that moment? It, it, Maybe. It's, it's rough because you're expecting a percussionist to wait 35 measures and be patient about it and yeah. like actually be 100% focused on counting the song out as yeah. you go. and. They're all like ADHD. <laughs> yeah. Bro. Imagine if if the way football is turn based. Yeah. Like it's like they're the it's kicker. Like, okay, I'm. Well, like you're the kicker. Yeah, like, like, do you have that skill? <laughs> Even worse than that, though. Imagine like the whole game of football does not stop except for you <laughs> to wait to get set up to do your thing. Imagine they're all running and the whole looking. time. I, I would be. That's the, what it feels. I like. would be the kid that's back there on that giant bucket of a drum and yeah and like the one moment where it's like a crescendo and then you have to like break it and i would just miss my cue completely yeah and i've done that many times <laughs> we we had a, a freshman during our christmas concert do the exact thing with the big bass drum like the giant yeah. one and he'd miss his hit every time and eventually like the crowd expected it and it, like we're like cackling <laughs> and no. Well, this isn't what we're talking about today. No, no, is. no, no. Great Rabbit Trail. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, Great Rabbit Trail. Yeah. Uh, Donnie, we're glad you're here. And we're here. You're here because of your wisdom. Oh, yeah. Yes. Donnie is a wise sage. <laughs> wise sage. And it's on topic with today. Yes. We had a an awesome discussion on Sunday morning before service. And then we went, man, we wish we would have recorded that for a podcast. And then immediately went, wait. We can we record can that for a podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so this is that. This is that. That's how. That's how some of these come to be. Is we just we go, man. That's a conversation worth having. Man, I wish other people could join into that conversation. So, some of you, you're going to hear the topic in just a second, and you're going to click off this video, and you're, you're not interested at all. But I, I want you to hold that thought if that's going to be your first reaction, because I think 
some of the things that we're going to talk about may surprise you on how healthy it is to have a good perspective on the concept of video games. Uh, <laughs> aren't those things that turn you into a violent monster? I feel like that According was to everyone's to say parents. than I like Harry Potter. It's, it's yeah. too late for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So Donnie and I were talking at first on Sunday, and I don't want to completely mimic the conversation, but I think it was a good launching point. Um, that you recently had played um, kind of a virtual reality game. Yeah. yeah and I, I was, was like, describe what game this was or what you were doing. Okay, it's a game. It's essentially a mod for a game if you want to really get into like, specifics. Oh, but man. <laughs> get your nerd on. Go. <laughs> Go. Anyways, it's a Star Wars mod for a sword fighting game. And essentially, it's just VR Star Wars, which I don't know if you're like, I mean, yeah, we're, everybody's kind of nerds here, right? Like, Yeah. That is the the peak gaming experience is to play <laughs> to have a lightsaber and swing it around like I've never wanted anything more since I was seven than yeah. this and I've like we've reached it and that yeah. was when I was like that would I'd played something similar not the exact mm-hmm. version um, at like some sort of like GameWorks or something mm-hmm. where they had like a 3D thing where you could sword fight or you could my version was a like a horror movie where like you were running from oh, zombies yeah. and trying to fight them and it was like a very brutal and very scary like version of like yeah. i was like vr is to die I'm yeah, gonna it's, die. it's <laughs> yeah when you put on like the first t- the first time you actually play this game it's just like you start in you hit like say one wave of like enemies or whatever and they immediately start attacking you and every time i have somebody new try it they like freak out because like i make sure to explain it to him like you know like swing slowly like remember to turn around with the sticks and everything but all of a sudden like animal brain kicks in because you like it tricks you into thinking you're actually being attacked you start like you get drenched in sweat without doing anything (laughs) and they're like swinging flinging their arms around as fast as they can i'm like having a heart attack because i don't want my controllers to break (laughs) yes (laughs) but it's it's weird how um into it you get even if it's clearly like the, the character models are not that great. They're not yeah. super yeah. realistic, but it's 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 still kind of like you get your adrenaline pumped up, and you don't even have to like you don't think that you're actually oh, yeah. in danger, but you so your body crazy does. how cool how how easily the brain is tricked, but yeah. also how incredibly powerful some of this technology is getting to mimic it's, some yeah. of this stuff. So that's where the launching point of this whole podcast came from. That conversation you had about this game. And so what Ryan and I immediately, I think, identified was like, man, there are so many times that this conversation around video games always seems to either go right or left in the sense of like, there's a one party on the right that's like anti-video games, melts your mind, like it is not healthy, it leads to destructive habits, it leads to violence. And additionally, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. (laughs) Um, and then there's the left side that's like, I have some of my closest friends. Um, some of my deepest relationships have developed from this. Uh, it's something that has great nostalgia that I can do with my kids. Um, that is cheap, fun, that is repeatable and easy. Um, and that has had an incredible part of like a core memory of enjoyment. Um, and even has aspects of community. And most of the time, I find that the only differences between the one or the two is that communal aspect or a lack of even having tried it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I, I started my history with video games is I played them growing up. 
And I was like growing up with the Nintendo 64 and the GameCube mm-hmm. and uh, then got an Free Xbox chip. 360 after that. <laughs> and it's like that's the, the trajectory we went on. Yep. Um, so by late middle school, early high school, it was a ton of shooter games and whatever. Um, and that was in the era, I'd say 10 years ago and before, where online multiplayer stuff was starting to become oh, yeah. super solid and reliable, and you could do that all day, every day. There are a bunch of people doing that, but there's still a lot of leftover people from the days of a story mode or a campaign mode mm-hmm. um, being the main thing that you do in a game um, or a create-your-own-world kind of mode. Yep. Um, and so that's what I did. I, I, I played video games probably four, six, seven hours a day. Summer break, I'd play it even more and like just absolutely obsessed with it, but it wasn't a friend thing. When a friend came over to play, it was like, okay, what are the few games I have that mm-hmm. we could both play? Yeah. What are like the low shelf, low tier games I can do Mario to appease Party. this person? <laughs> On, uh, Smash, yeah. Brothers. Smash Bros, yeah. Smash Bros. Yeah. But in, yeah. The, in the beginning and on my own and most of my experience with it was, Solo, this is a way to avoid community, a way to avoid being social, avoid... Isolation. Um, and in the same yep. way that any any addiction can be that way, <clears throat> just avoid and numb, like, what's going on in my world, Not make me not have to think. Well, you, mm-hmm. went, the, you went the, you know, a human nature is you go the path of least resistance. Yeah. Go to the easiest thing to get yeah. to the best outcome possible. So and I went the full hermit route. You went the full hermit, but, yeah. you, but you were still getting stimulus that made, you know, stimuli... Yeah. It yeah. was making your life seem like it had value yeah. and happiness. Mm-hmm. And that's the danger, I think, of video games is that, like anything, it can be something that you run to to mask or to hide in or to use as a coping mechanism, um, and you elevate it to a level that it, it does take over your life or it starts to cripple your ability to socialize yeah. or have you know, good health. You know. Yeah. Um, I had a friend of a friend one time say that uh, he was in the military, and he said a military friend of his would not get off his, this sounds like a mom saying this, but uh, his wife was pregnant and he would not get off his online game. He was like, I have 10 minutes left. And she was like, I'm in labor. <laughs> Take me to the hospital. He's like, in a minute. And that's like, oh my that's gosh. like the, the deep darkness, numbing, suck yes. you in, whatever of, of so video games. I think there's, that's the side that I think when people think about video games that has been elevated by our culture that has been elevated. Especially as kind of, the conservative Christian yes. culture. And I would even say those that don't understand completely what it's yeah. about. Yeah. Um, especially because I think a lot has changed in the last 10 years mm-hmm. that it once was. When video games started for me, it was like watching a movie. It was just interactive. It w- I knew it had no value. It was just kind of a story. Yeah. Sega Genesis was my first. Sonic the Hedgehog was the first game I ever played. Um and even before that, when we didn't even own a system, we could rent it. You could rent yeah. the whole system for a weekend. Mm-hmm. And that's what my dad did. He rented a Super Nintendo, brought it home, and we played it for two days. And we did that every so often. And it was like a grand reward, like going to the movies. Yeah. Um, but it didn't, like, suck our whole lives. It was just like a special treat. And so in those moments, my first interactions with video games didn't lead to any negative Things. In fact, I would say I played Goldeneye. Was yeah. like the first community game that I played. Yeah, it wasn't very fun to play by yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could do speed runs on it and do some of that, but even that was communal because you were competing against your friends to beat the levels. Yeah. And you would talk about it at school, and it would become something that was uh, an aspect. And then when Halo came out, and Halo Two and Three started going online, the game became something of. I mean, 
I had a friend that had a garage that we were pulling oh, yeah. up with couches back to back <laughs> with TVs that we left there and yeah. we're playing these games. Land parties. So all out of the night, land parties, exactly. Yeah. We're running the wires and routers and all this stuff and some of the best cheap, safe that's, fun that's exactly I what had in did. my childhood yeah. was yeah. playing these games and laughing and talking about it. And it was my first experience in a place where I was completely accepted for what I was and liked and I felt valued. And some of the things I did with my peers were ch my choice, not what a school set up, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. not, what, not what an adult world had provided, but something that my friends and I set up as a community. And it was awesome. It was yeah. an amazing experience. Donnie, what was yours like growing up? Uh, mine growing up, um, <laughs> this might be a bit controversial, but Grand <laughs> Theft Auto Online <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> was, um, I, I, I had not played, okay, see, I was exactly in kind of your boat for the longest time yeah. where it's just, I had single player games. And honestly, I still enjoy a good like story driven. Because it's, it's the same as reading a fiction book. Exactly. Long, it's, 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 it's not like an book. escapism. It's like reading a good book. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I had a game you. that I've been playing and it's not too long, but it's it's essentially a book. It's a like a detective animated novella, but mm -hmm. it's got multiple endings, like kind of like a choose your own adventure RPG mechanics. Really, really fun. Really, really well like written. Like a fable style game, like yeah, fable yeah, two, yeah kind three. of. Uh -huh. But um, trying to connect the older guys. Go. Yeah, super character driven. <laughs> um, lots of text, but it's also spoken, act, voice acted, stuff like that. But uh, till um, I'd say probably late middle school, I got like an Xbox, and I had a friend that also had an Xbox, and. We nobody, none of my friends really played online games, but once it like clicked, that's all we did. <laughs> like, yeah. um, instead of uh, instead of meeting up, going somewhere, we'd either go to somebody's house, I'll bring our Xboxes, just play them, or we were on at home playing our Xboxes together. And I think that's kind of like the um, the weird like thing that it kind of consumes you, uh -huh. but. It's it's we were at a point where it wasn't really consuming our whole life. Like we still did stuff, but it was like, you know, when you sit down and watch TV after a long day, like, yeah, yeah, it's it's essentially kind of the same thing. But oh, I can't put quite put my finger well, on I mean, how yeah. it's different. The truth, there's the still community. behind. There's still community behind it. But I, I think what, what you're saying is like, all right, if I go home and I sit next to my wife and we watch a sitcom and we laugh at the jokes yeah. and we interact a little bit and we say like other episodes or other characters or, Oh man, they're so funny. It, that's very different than if you come back and you both get on your phones and you don't talk to each exactly. other. Yeah. You're watching your own thing. You know what I mean? Like there yeah. is, there's still like a, a aspect of it that is, it's similar. a shared medium, it's a shared yeah. thing. But, but when you're playing together and your characters are interacting and stuff, mm -hmm. it can be, but if that's all you do as a couple, exactly. That's yeah. like you wouldn't go like, oh, man, that's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing great. No issues here. I think I want to yeah. bring up like, well, you were talking about it earlier and I wanted to say something. But um, it's 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 weird how normalized um, using because you said you mentioned coping with it. Yeah. And yeah. using it as a coping mechanism versus like a healthy coping mechanism. And I hadn't really heard that like actually stated and set out before that it's not really a healthy coping mechanism to play a video game for hours, like, like yeah. hours and hours on end. Like you'll see people talking about it, like, especially in like the more like tighter knit, smaller gaming communities yeah. and just generally their gaming culture. If I can say that, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kind of a weird thing to say, but, um, well, Twitch and some of those even platforms that have these communities that you're talking about they, or Reddit, they, so. they spout like how actually, like how it's a good thing to use it as a coping mechanism. And I think it's, 
It's really not. Like, no. no, especially like not not in the ways that they sometimes. You know, World of Warcraft was the game that really got my attention to how destructive games exactly. Can be. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, and if you're not aware of what World of Warcraft was, it was the most popular RPG game of all time, right? Mm-hmm. RPG for those older folks out there means role-playing game yeah, you have a character and they grow and develop over time well, yeah. we're, we're gonna get technical it's an mmorpg yes that's which true is, it's very different massive multiplayer online yes yeah, so it was an rpg game that that had a the first online community that mm-hmm. interacted not only with characters and stories but with equipment mm-hmm. and your your inventory oh yeah and so items and different things would fall from different challenges and so what it played off of was actually it was random when you what you would get from the loot pool from these people that you would destroy. I know this is like extremely nerdy. It's on my <laughs> voicemail that I am a gamer. I do not hide this. Um, but what ended up happening is in that game, unbeknownst to most of the players, is that they were using a tactic that casinos use yeah. in order to yeah. get you to stick in the game. They were using a tactic that almost winning is actually more addicting than winning. Mm-hmm. So almost winning is actually neurologically more powerful. You get more excited about the almost win than winning. And so in these games, beating the guy, doing the whole thing, and then having this loot jump out that could Mm -hmm. be ended up being the thing that would do. So people are spending 16, 17 hours a day Mm -hmm. playing this game, mining these items, selling it. This is where you you had that kind of stereotype pop up of like the guy that's like surrounded by pizza pizza boxes and energy drinks in his basement. The only light is his computer screen, which is (laughs) so blue. Yes. I've I've got a friend. The modern equivalent of that is called a looter shooter, which is essentially Halo. It's it's Halo. But, you know, with that kind of loot Mm -hmm. pop out, you know, you might get the item you're looking for. I have a friend... I'm not going to specify this friend, but <laughs> in a specific looter shooter, they had over, like, I'm not kidding, 20,000 hours just playing this game from middle school all the way up to, like, um, maybe just a couple years after we graduated till they stopped of just playing that game. And the goal is to try and get an item. But every time, like, you get the item, it's a kind of a now what situation. Yeah. Yeah. And so they just kept on releasing new items to get and ridiculous amounts of playtime you actually have to do to get that item. And it wasn't fun. Like, we, no. we tried playing with him. Like, he said it was amazing. But it was never fun because it was just the same thing yeah. over and over again. It was like they were almost like a zombie. Like, they just yeah. kind of – com- you compared it to casino tactics. Yeah. And it's – I hate to sound crass here, but, like, with – you know, the penny slot people, like, yeah. they'll the put nickel a nickel slot. in and they're just kind yeah. of in a trance, exactly you know? What it it's is. the exact same thing. It's, it it's that for the almost win, the addictiveness of that, and also for people who, um, we were, Sharon, Sharon and I were talking about this last night, and she looked up, like, she Googled why are video games good and, like, why people <laughs> said they were good. And uh, the stuff it, it gave, a lot of the reasons it gave were super synthetic. Are, mm-hmm. uh, um, it helps give you a sense of control if your life doesn't, have a sense, a sense of, of accomplishment yeah. and a sense of accomplishment. Both of those things. If your life feels out of control and you feel yeah. like a washed up loser, mm-hmm. like you're like your life isn't going where you wanted, you aren't achieving what you hoped. Video games will give you that feeling. Yeah. And the moment you're done with the game, you walk out into the real world and realize you don't actually have accomplishments to yeah. take with you. Mm-hmm. Like, like you don't have a degree you can put on the wall. You don't have a, medal of honor you don't have a whatever it's all these synthetic ways to um help us cope with a lack of those things in our lives 
again, that is like the function of some games and especially heavy on um, uh, yeah. playing games isolated, even if it's multiplayer. Yeah. Playing games isolated without relationships behind them. There's a difference between the guy, the 30, 40 year old guy who stays at a laser tag place every day. And there's all these little kid birthday parties and whatever. And he's there just trying to be the best he can be mm-hmm. without anybody. There's a difference between that and the little kid birthday parties. Yeah. They don't care that they are terrible. Yep. They just love running around and seeing their friends and exactly. screaming and running the other way. Absolutely. And, and like the shoulder to shoulder interaction is way better than the like I'm actually going to get really good at this. So there's two things that I want to I, I want to say. There's there's something about so the, one of the statements I have about college. They say all the time it's not what college teaches you; it's about what college teaches your limits. College teaches you your limits more than it teaches you information these days. The information is everywhere. You can get it almost anywhere. You can read the books. You can go to the library. You can go to YouTube. You can you know there's a lot of things, but teaches you what you're capable of and dissects it. But it also provides community. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. if you take an online course and you don't ever have to do the assignments and you just listen to the lectures, you know you're missing out. Mm-hmm. You know you're not, you're not getting the same education as someone that learns in the classroom or learns in a community and then also does the work. So for me, video games do two things. One, it taught me that if I put time into something, I could get better mm-hmm. and that, that I improve. Now, that skill didn't transfer to anything, much like soccer doesn't when you get out of the real world. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, I'm really good at kicking this shoe across the room now. Like, yeah. But it taught me I, was, I could get better at something, and at the time it made me more physically capable. Yeah. But it's not like that skill lasts forever. It dwindles. And then the second thing it taught me is to operate in teams and to work together and to communicate and to work through conflict and to create strategy and to listen to others that have different opinions or different thoughts. Those are all social things that come from obviously more accepted routes than some others. Mm-hmm. Now, what I've learned about video games is much like any other entertainment content. You have to be selective about what you think video games are healthy, which ones you think are healthy versus which ones are not. And also be very aware of what emotional state you are in. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think you have to be aware of like, Wow, I'm going through some really hard times right now. It probably wouldn't be very good for me to bury myself in my basement <laughs> and do nothing else and not talk to anyone and yeah, not, you I've, know, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. see, but that would be no difference for me than someone going home and Netflixing for three hours and not doing anything but looking at reels on or TikToks and then going to bed. In my mind, I'm going like that's very similar to a guy that just goes into his basement mm-hmm. and plays video games. For yeah, three everything hours. somebody complains about with like. Oh, it's not, it doesn't lead to real achievement. It's a waste of time, whatever. Like, it's the same. I was talking to Sharon about this too. It's the same as watching TV in general. Like, maybe documentaries, no, mm-hmm. and you actually gain real world, world knowledge to take with you. But, like, uh, like most TV, most YouTube and yeah. movies and reels and all this other stuff, even technically fiction books, like, it's not really helping you in any real world way. It's just a way to pass time. It's just a way to whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily bad. No. But you can't live off of that. No, it's not. It's it's a uh, it's whipped cream. It's yeah. not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing that changed for me, and we're going to get to some of the places where we think video games are going, which is also a really healthy conversation because what we've seen in the last five to six years has really changed the trajectory of where I, where I think video games are going. I think I don't think we've seen the ceiling at all on what this market or what this is going to be like yeah. over the next ten to fifteen years. 
But what happened five to six years ago, if you're not aware, if you're not in the gaming world, is this game called Fortnite came out. Uh, it came out about five years ago. Now, when, when Fortnite came out, it is still a kid's game. I mean, yeah. like, 8 to 12 years old is probably the average player of the game. But there's players like me that still enjoy it and a lot of boomers as well. <laughs> uh, but what happened in that game, because of its popularity on all of these platforms that have online communities, they were able to merge the, the PlayStation, Xbox, and personal computer, PCs, mm -hmm. personal computers into one giant community. It used to be to where if you had an Xbox and your friend had a PlayStation and you had the same game, you couldn't play online together. We couldn't had, do it. We had a friend that was almost like excluded completely from the friend group after we got into video games. Not like we did it on purpose because we didn't like it, but he had a PlayStation and sorry. It, <laughs> You're really, out. it really was that yeah. bad. And it, it we were in the fourth generation of Xbox oh, yeah. and P PS4s without that. Mm -hmm. we, had, we had had a decade of those consoles without being able to play together. And PC people were on their high horse over here <laughs> um, shouting down at both of us yep. for our noobness. Yeah. All right. And so what happened in this moment is all of it felt like if you were in a city and you had a fence, but you knew there was another city right across the river that had a fence. It was like the gates opened mm -hmm. and everybody could just suddenly go everywhere and talk to anyone. And it was weird because what immediately happened is I had a friend in California and a brother in New York City that I immediately could play a game with that I couldn't a day ago yeah. <laughs> when it happened. Yeah. And, and it immediately created almost like this bridge for relationships, and it connected. And you know what made me want to play more? Mm -hmm. Not just the game. It was who I was playing with. And that was totally like a nostalgia feel. Mm -hmm. It was like pulling me back to my high school, but it also was reconnecting me with people I hadn't talked to in years. That's 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 exactly the point. Like, um, I I kind of like over the past probably year, mm -hmm. getting it really into like my my degree in college and starting to, when I started to play here, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. I started like kind of like weaning myself off games, and then I like about like three, maybe four, maybe even half a year ago. I hit this wall. I was like, I don't really like, these aren't really fun anymore. I'm not really having a good time. I'm here because I'm talking to my friends mm -hmm. on the computer. And at, at points I'm like, I'm winding down. I'm going to bed. I'll spend just an hour because usually the whole four of them will be on doing something and I'll just talk to them. I won't even, I won't even play a game. I'll just be talking. And it's mm -hmm. like that sense of community. Like you said, that like that, that bond. Cause I, you just want to be with your friends, you know, at a point mm -hmm. like Fortnite's fun and all, but like you play thirty minutes alone, it's like it's not as fun. Yeah, now yeah. what? No, <laughs> like, I don't yeah. play him at all alone. But like at all, I'm playing like, with all. my friend. Like, I'm playing with Jesse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm having a great time because we're joking around. We're just enjoying, you know, some yeah. kind of shared medium where like the bond between us is more fun than the actual medium itself. You know, and that's why when uh, when I was getting married, my roommate in college was my best man, so he planned my bachelor party and whatever. And uh, we're all Bible college minister wannabes, so, like, we're not doing crazy stuff. <laughs> what we did, uh, I'm trying to think back. What we did was an escape room and then went to Applebee's, and I think that was it. I think that was literally it. But my bachelor party was people I enjoyed, people I liked hanging yeah. out with. So it felt like these experiences you're talking about. We got together, and 
like it was more about commenting on what we were doing than, than it was about doing it. We're we're literally these Bible college students <laughs> in this escape room. And one of the things, like you can find the clues somewhere, but it's like name the ten plagues, which is Exodus, the Bible. Oh, yep. And we were all like, I don't know, and start Googling it. <laughs> like just like how funny that was. We like it just kept us going, give us stuff to talk about, and then and then we went to Applebee's and we went back to the hotel room and played Super Smash Bros. That is the every Bible college it is. Uh, students' yeah, that's, bachelor party. That. <laughs> um, but then, so I, I, I learned from that. And I was like, that's what makes this fun because you like the group of people. If, if you're, the, if you're yeah. the groom or whatever, you're, you like the people you chose to be with. So, so then I got to be his best man at his wedding in Sacramento. And what I did instead of an escape room was a an Indiana Jones themed cooking class. Oh if that isn't something to comment about <laughs> for three hours, I don't know what is. And then laser tag, and then dinner, because it was dinner. Yeah, no, yeah. So no dinner. Okay. Anyway, both of those, and um, they just like quietly had Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark playing in the background as they showed you how to make tzatziki sauce and whatever. And I was like, okay, sure. Whatever. Oh, you, you, did, you didn't make chilled monkey brains? No, <laughs> no. But we uh, we did, like, make everybody aprons, like, matching black aprons with the Indiana Jones-themed font, but where they're from and what their name is. So if Indiana Jones is St. Louis Dufault yep. and Indiana something or whatever, Nebraska Josh, it was, it was great. <laughs> Nebraska so great. Josh. What I, love, what I love about this discussion and why I think I have a little bit of a visceral reaction when people poo-poo on on video games and and go full Karen or Kevin. And it's not that I don't think you can have kind of a negative perspective from an experience that costs yeah. you a lot. Like, it's not that I don't think there are, are those options, but I think it'd be like a kid that, like, got bullied for playing a sport and had, like, a terrible experience and, like, never really understood it, never really liked it, and now they just hate baseball. And it's the worst game ever. And I'm like, you're you're right. Like, it's <laughs> the worst. It's boring. <laughs> you know, and, like, I just think people make deep assumptions off of, you know, these stereotypes that have been placed out there. And they miss that there is a deeper um, thing that's happening inside of communities. And even over the last two years during the pandemic, some of my best conversations happened in the middle of a video game that were spiritual, that were healthy, that were real, that were confessional, um, that were growth, and, um, you know, I just, I don't know where else in my life that naturally intercedes without great intentionality, and this is a routine way that community is just, you know, integrated into my life um, in a healthy way, and so, obviously, you always got to reevaluate and make sure that you're in a healthy yeah. place and take breaks mm -hmm. if you think that maybe you're not, and I don't think there's any area that you shouldn't be doing that in, let alone video games. Yeah. yeah, it's video games aren't the thing you need, but they can, can. Mm -hmm. They can provide a medium for things you need, like community. But it's just like, um, I think I've said this maybe once or twice on the podcast already, but uh, Dallas Willard, a, a famous pastor, was at a pastor's conference. And uh, they asked him, or he asked everybody, um, if a study came out that said using hot pink offering envelopes <laughs> raised your offering intake, by 25%, would you use them? <laughs> and some people were like, absolutely, I'd use them. I wouldn't want to stop God from whatever, blah, 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 blah. And other people were like, absolutely not. You're trusting. And uh, and so they asked him finally. And they're like, what do you think? And he was like, oh, I would use them. I just wouldn't trust them. And that's where I think I failed as a high schooler 
is I like trusted in them. They were my crutch. They were my yeah. my absolute everything when um, I didn't understand why my high school yeah. girlfriend broke up with me. <laughs> and when um, I, I couldn't, like, I didn't know how to say or express my emotions, I'd be like, well, video games make me feel good, so let's go do that. And yeah, uh, and there's just a difference between coping and, yeah. and, and finding pleasure and enjoyment in them separate yeah. from pain or mm-hmm. loneliness or a heartache. And, I, you know, there's, it's very similar. Like, if you go to a movie hoping that it's going to just make you escape for two hours because your life is so terrible versus you go to a movie enjoying it and excited, mm-hmm. you know, we would look at it and go, dude, don't go to the movie if you're depressed. Like, go, go have a conversation. Like, go talk yeah. to somebody. Like, be with people. Yeah. Don't isolate. I think video games can be that way if we let it be. Um, but I also think there's just, we need space to recognize that this has a place in communal circles that have deep things. And I know I keep repeating myself, but yeah, I want I want people to recognize that if you have kids or teenagers um, that are in, enjoying video games, encouraging them to create community inside those those games and choosing games that they can play with others, and then even monitoring what communities they're attaching to because it's not a positive community and it's a negative community that can have negative effects yeah. too. There's just some like a, just rough places. Yes, yeah. and yeah. there's some bad things and just like a bad group of friends they hang out with at school. Exactly. You need to make sure that there's deep impact, negative or yeah. positive, in these. So. Yeah, I think yeah, looking at it less as just um, I don't know, some nerd in his basement playing a game. Like, especially from like I guess parental point of view, you got to really consider that as just another community yeah. that they're interacting with. Yeah. Almost the same aspect as social media. Like, you're worried like say at school they're getting into a bad crowd, but a lot of parents don't know like how bad of a crowd some kid is getting into online. Like. Yeah. There are yeah. some serious, like, just awful, like, groups of people on there, and they will just... Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's all, yeah. And educating yourself and understanding the games your kids are playing and how they operate are really, really, really important. Um, you know, a game like uh, Fortnite, you can randomly link up with people and talk, and it's, it's random cues are crazy. Um, where a game like Rocket League, there's no voice chat. So, mm-hmm. like, you can, you can play and you can chat a little bit, but they, they can't f- physically talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so knowing the difference between certain games yeah. um, is really important. Call of Duty, not only is the maybe the warfare side of it would be a little difficult for younger kids, but they have community, you know, conversations in that that can go Better. really, really yeah. harsh and bad. And it has nothing to do with the content in the game and everything to do with the community that you're attaching to. Exactly. So, um, yeah. you know, again, those are all things, though, that decisions that if you're talking about kids, I think video games become just like content of a movie. And you need to know not just the content that's in the game, but you need to know the message that potentially is coming through the voice chat. So mm-hmm. don't let your kids have voice chat or microphones just unless don't. you know who they're talking to yeah. um, because it's just not a healthy thing. Yeah. Now, when you're an adult, you can make healthy choices and connect with the people <laughs> you want to, and I think you can choose that. But as children, I think you have to, you know, especially with my kids, they have like yeah, N64, <laughs> you know, like they're on Super <laughs> yeah. Nintendo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm letting them play together and create community, and they're cheering each other on because they only have one game, you said, so they have to share or cheer each other on, and, and it makes it the same thing. I'm trying to give yeah. them the same experiences I had to kind of build up their their expectations and understandings that it's not a coping mechanism. It's a fun it's a yeah. fun thing to do, but it's not the whole thing. But, I so, want to come yeah. back around to VR because yes. this is kind of yeah. where our oh, yeah. conversation started and grew the most, and it then was. we kind of backtracked into our history and our whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, VR is, uh, if you don't know, if you're an old person, 
Um, I say that with love because <laughs> I feel like uneducated. I'm an old person. Um, I, what I didn't say about all my video game experience was that I, I played it a ton in middle school and high school, and but I was the youngest of two. And so I never had to get the console. I just got the games. Well, none of the consoles were mine. So I went to college and I had to cut cold turkey. <laughs> and for me and my addictive personality and my, my tendency to isolate, honestly, that was incredible. Just yeah. like having nothing to do. So I had to go. It's Bible college, so people are pretty safe. So I just had to go hang out with random people. We're all going to Taco Bell. Do you have $2? Then you could come. And yeah. Whatever. It was great. And it was, it was good for me. Um, but uh, how was I going to tie that into VR? Um, but VR mm-hmm. well, is you say, different. You, your, your, gaming, your gaming history had an end. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. Haven't yeah. Been playing so that's often. that's why I'm explaining what VR is. If you're yeah. like me and you're, you're a little you're, out of the community, you're spiritually an old person or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, spiritually. VR is a, is a headset mm-hmm. video gaming kind of thing. It's no TV, it's no phone, it's no other screen. But it is a, a headset that you put on. Yep. And then you you are animating your character into the game with your body, not with a controller. Yep. Um, so you usually have a headset, and then I think two handheld controllers. Typically, you can and play that, without. Yep. And that's like the same way that CGI works, and like motion tracking with like uh, and they have the Hobbit and, all and stuff. Stuff that's really yeah. cool. And yeah, virtual reality stuff has really just started to take off in the last like two years but it's been out for a while oh yeah it's not it's been out for probably 10 years maybe even seven or eight maybe a little yeah i was gonna say i'm trying to think when uh, when the first uh, oculus so i know some stuff came out in like 2015 2011 2011 was when you really catch when when it got popular was when uh google started uh, sending out these uh, cardboard headsets Mm -hmm. where you could actually use your phone as a vr headset and you could put it into this free or very cheap cardboard setup and set your phone into it and then you could actually use it to uh, walk through a YouTube video that had VR set up. Mm-hmm. You could walk on a hiking trail. You could do all this stuff. Now, of course, that's all the positive side of VR. But there's kind of a nasty side that that a lot of people know and some may not that they kind of get into VR. But the major funding for virtual reality is coming from the porn industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, they see the immense potential. And, of course, the you you don't have to dig very far to know the statistics about how much revenue is in pornography is mm-hmm. mind blowing. It's like take yeah. every major sport in the United States, you know, professional basketball, baseball, you know, football, and combine it, and it's still not even close mm-hmm. to what porn provides. So they they see this as the future. Now, what's crazy is because porn is king and it makes so much money. Normally, they see the next level of entertainment before. Um, yeah. before everyone else because they have a, an invested interest. And so although it's um, although porn right now is at the head of kind of making this want to happen, I think what you're going to see is the VR games are going to become more popular. Oh, yeah. So imagine this communal aspect we're talking about, but now you're actually basically FaceTiming in yeah. <laughs> rather than making the phone call that has been video games. Mm-hmm. And you are now face to face in an animated character that you now can create your character to look how you would ideally look yeah. and what you would ideally be like. And you can do what? Play paintball? Hike Everest? Yeah. Go crazy? I mean, I even read about uh, this new technology that they are creating kind of a silk clothing with neuron, kind of like synthetic electricity that they can simulate anything from water to uh, to heat mm-hmm. uh, to like uh, s- like swimming or like sand 
Um, the more advanced uh, hap haptic yeah. sensors. It's crazy stuff. And so you have a full body suit on, mm -hmm. um, and then it tracks your movement. And so you're in a room or you're in a you know a place that can basically track, and then you have a little treadmill. Anyway, so the, the thought process of this, over the next 10 years, we're going to see video games go to a place where the questions now become like, can what what is that going to look yeah. like i feel like the old man talking about it I'm like <laughs> yeah. that scares the snot out of me yeah so. it it scares me a lot because i um i remember when i was a kid and playing a lot of shooter games and everybody's parents when they started were like really freaked out about it and that was fine <laughs> i remember telling my mom it's only rated m for violence yeah. <laughs> meanwhile like violence is illegal yeah. like <laughs> like it's not like oh it's just violence it's just, just gore yeah. that's just yeah. get over it everybody blows up in a red cloud or whatever i remember but, i remember like, that same conversation they they were worried about it and then what happened like our world with video games and social media got more depressed mm. had more mental health issues and yet, it wasn't more violent in general. Violent crime, the, despite what most modern news media outlets it's say, dropping. has gone down over, mm -hmm. over I think, the last at least 50, 60 um, You would know more about actually, that. Actually, um, it, it, it says 50, 60 years. Since the 70s, it has yeah. actually dropped dramatically. But a majority of that has happened in the last uh, 15 years. Yeah. yeah. So for the, for the prevalence of school shootings and other things that are rough and way, way more public, the actual level of violent crime has dropped, and what I see when I when I compare those that fear, and and the video games that they were afraid of, and the statistics now is what is it training you to do? It's training you to sit down, and press a button to do an action, yeah, and maybe do that really well, but it's not training you for anything. Yep, mm -hmm. and I I know I can easily go overboard with this, um, but like like your sword fighting game and other games, like you're not acting out in Call of Duty no. on an Xbox. You're not acting out shooting somebody. You are pressing a button that looks like a trigger, but you're not standing aiming. Mm -hmm. yeah. you're, you're sitting on your couch. You're sitting wherever. And sure. some of these VR games might might be closer to training you. But, uh, let, let, me, let me clarify it this way, that um, your physical health and emotional health and spiritual health and all those things are all closely tied together, mental health. And as one gets better, the others get better. Mm. And so what your body is doing throughout your day is affecting all of those other areas of your health, is like becoming muscle memory that is actually in your in your mental area, in mm. your in your mental headspace that is um like like numbing you to those movements and making those because the muscle memory is so like like you don't have to think about it's it. Subconscious. Mm -hmm. But like having to force yourself into a position you haven't been in before or do something you haven't done before is different. And it's training you for some of these different actions to do things on a totally muscle memory level basis. Oh, yeah. You're not well, thinking about it. And I, I mean, I'm curious, Donnie, like wh when you hear about the VR stuff, like what comes into your mind? Like, what are you thinking about over the next 10 years? Are you excited about some stuff? Are you nervous I'm, about any of it? I, I honestly, frankly, the, the technology and what you talked about, the skin haptic sensors, that stuff is, frankly, insane. Like, it's it's mind-boggling that you actually be able to, like, touch and feel something either warm or cold or something. That's that's an extreme technological advancement. But what I think is what's really advancing, like, what's the most popular thing in VR right now is in a game and uh, it's out of, out of, I guess, out of the games. It's not really a game. The best, most downloaded game is called VR Chat. And in it, you sit around 
you can you get yourself uh, some downloaded avatar. People make themselves look like you know something silly. Like like the mo- one of the most popular videos is a guy talking about his experiences in the Iraq War and him getting into a bombing, and he's his avatar is Winnie the Pooh. Like it's just him talking about it, and it's really just it's such a somber and depressing thing. But like what most people do in VR is just talk to people, and what I think it, the reason for that is specifically is well, one, it's free. Uh, two, um, it's that sense of community because I talked about earlier how I enjoy talking with my friends more than actually mm-hmm. playing the game. I do like playing the game, but I, I talk with my friends, and that's more fun. And actually being able to show mannerisms and discuss stuff with actual fluid body tracking and like face, even facial recognition on certain systems, they like speak to each other, and it's just people talking. And as well as, um, one, I think one of the benefits of VR gaming in the gaming world as a whole is you can't game on VR for 10 hours straight. It's exhausting. It's, you get about two hours in, and I think that's why VR chat is one of the more popular ones because it's not so demanding. You can sit. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. See, that's, that's the thing that actually excites me about the VR stuff. Mm-hmm. The fact that my brother and I could jump on it. He lives in New York. I live here, and we could go on a hike together. And, like, we could legitimately go somewhere really cool like the exactly. Everglades. Oh, yeah. And just go through the Everglades together and, like, check out a bunch of stuff. And even though it's made up, it would be a shared experience. Um, when you go to Disneyland right now, you go into VR-type rides oh, yeah. where they take you through these immense, obviously, mechanical and, like, sensory things. But I, I think there's a piece of it that I think will be quality and redeemable and all that. There's just this part of me that that worries that it... it I know Ready Player One came out a few years ago, and some of you have seen it or not seen it. Have you seen the movie? You haven't, haven't quite. Ready Player One has this um, kind of like a Matrix-style world mm-hmm. where you you jump in and you are who you are want to be, and there's loot and items that you're trying to collect, and the money you make in that game, then you can buy a better house that you live at, kind of like The Sims, oh, yeah. and then you, you can date or do anything you want, and so it becomes a way to escape that we've never seen before where, you know, if I can really be crazy, you could almost go there and that's the city square. Mm -hmm. Now it's no longer a physical city square. It's a digital, like everybody is so connected through this digital space that it's a whole nother way to live. Um, I don't know, for a lot of people, that's, like, terrifying. You're like, yeah. oh, my gosh, we're not going to have any more cities, and, like, we're not going to do anymore. But, like, to me, it's just another adaptation that the human race has made to try to fix themselves mm-hmm. by creating another yeah. world that they can escape to where they are perfect and where things go the way they want and they look the way they want and they feel the way they want and they have control over things that they can't control in the real world. Um, and to me, it's just a cry for help. Um, it's not a cry for help in the sense of like, oh my gosh, every person that plays VR and goes into those chat rooms <laughs> yeah. is depressed and broken. It's more of a like, there is something at the center of each of us that longs to be known and longs mm-hmm. to know others. And that exists both in the digital world and in the real world. Yeah. And to pretend like that this isn't a reactionary thing to that at the center of it, I think that even that that's the most popular game tells me that people people don't know or they may know but that's what they're longing for yeah they're longing for that deep connection 
the fun thing about those types of places, like I said, if it's a healthy thing, I could see digital churches popping up. And that's yeah, something exactly. that's been starting. One one VR location, I literally know nothing about this, so <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> one VR location has been the Facebook Metaverse mm-hmm. or whatever it's really called. There's a real name for it, and that's Meta- Metaverse it. is um, is less of a VR concept, but more of a um, a separate net concept as a whole. Okay, and I mean, at the risk of sounding political here, it's it's a uh, private net and essentially a thing that Facebook wants to set up so they can, you know, uh, bypass certain laws and regulations. Because remember that whole controversy, Zuckerberg yeah. was in the Congress looking for stuff. It's yeah. it's more of a reason to bypass that. It's like setting yeah. up a separate internet, almost. Yeah. Like yeah. It's yeah. like setting there's, up black net stuff. There's concepts but like that. What I've heard is like, like some bigger churches, I don't have a strict list anywhere, but some bigger churches are like, we're launching a new cap- campus and we hired a pastor for it. It's... Uh, Hillsong Meta or whatever, and it's like <laughs> yeah. literally this this like online virtual reality church that they literally hired a person. I don't know if Hillsong did that. I'm not claiming they yeah. did, but like like they're treating it like it's going to be a real good space. And this is kind of the conversation, especially since the pandemic, people have had with even a streaming church, yep. um, live streaming like like we do. We Absolutely. have for sure since uh, March of 2020. But uh, some bigger churches have hired an online campus pastor where. Their big job is to be in the chat, yeah. To, the, to like <laughs> yeah. talk to people during the service who um, maybe they're in their seventies and they're shut in and they have they're immunocompromised, so they're not going to church, or or maybe they have some they're bedridden for some other reason. Maybe they have some physical deformity, maybe whatever. Um, but it's like, oh, this is a new place we can have church. And I think what you have to realize, and at least claim right now, and I I, it would take some incredible feat of technology to say that it would ever be better. No what way. we have to claim right now is what you said earlier. It's a it's a substitute that is clearly not the real thing. We've yeah. we've talked before about um, communion in our in our services, how we love it in person, but how online it would be hard to do it well, and we're kind of okay with that. Mm-hmm. That way, you feel we we want you if you're if you're shut in and if you're stuck at home to feel like you're a part of our group. Yeah, to feel like you're as much. But like you know, we don't have to tell you that this isn't the real thing and that you're missing out. Yep. And so for everybody else, like, yes, this is worse than our actual services. When communion time comes up, you just see a slide and no camera shot, yep. and uh, you just hear people bustling around. around. And yeah, I think I th- oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, you're good. Go ahead. Uh, I think that's actually like kind of looking at the reverse opposite of that. I think it can act as almost a stepping stone into yeah. actually accessing into the actual physical church. Because, I mean, they have those, um, let's say the VR, like, let's say, like, VR Sundays, like Sunday yeah. service in VR. Like a VR campus. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. VR is acting as almost a more accessible medium to someone who's, mm-hmm. like, seriously uncomfortable leaving the house in, like, a bad place in their life, stuck in their basement. But, hey, like, I mean, they talk with people in VR and VR chat, why not go to church on Sunday? And then they can eventually be led to actually coming yeah. out, having yeah. real conversations. That's, that's and I real agree with that. People. We've we've seen that with live stream too, where over the past year mm-hmm. or so since I've been here, yeah. a lot of the new people who have shown up, we've asked them like, hey, how'd you find our church? Whatever. And they'll say, we checked out your live stream a couple of times <laughs> um, and it was easier to watch than this or that church or mm-hmm. it made us feel the same as this or that past experience and whatever in a different place. And then we decided, yeah, we'll, we'll show up to your church. So it's good for that. 
it's good as a as a halfway substitute for um, people who can't be there. Here's the thing I'll say, and this is my the, the easiest segue from what you're saying and what you said, Donnie. The the easiest seg- segue I have is that Jesus would be in the VR chat. Yeah, <laughs> like, and people would be mad about it. Be like, why are you spending time in this virtual world with people that that don't even look real, that are silly, that in this toxic place that has the potential to be completely negative? Why would you go there? And he's he would say, I go to where people that are sick are at go to the places where people are hurting and where they need and there are people in those places that we know need help and so i'm not trying to undermine video games completely but i'm trying to tell you like if this place is set up in a way where it's a second life quote the office yeah uh, (laughs) and it's their their place of retreat and it's a deep place of depression and hardship and it has become that negative side of video games that we've talked about there's a there's a place in there that jesus would go and pull but the thing about when jesus does this even in the new testament he doesn't go to the bars and the parties and tell people to stay there Mm -hmm. he tells them to follow him out and yeah. he pulls them out of those places and into community. And the only time he goes back into those places is he brings community with him and he changes the places that he's at. So, you know, I think if I'm going to tell you to do something with video games, I'm going to tell you who you're playing with and why you're playing are two very important questions For sure. to evaluate whether or not video games is an important or should be a part of your life. But I think if you have those questions in a good place, um, and you recognize that there's potential, just like anything, to go overboard. I think video games can be an incredible way to create community, create community, and to really just enjoy a gift that yes. we have yeah. in technology, and an incredible way to engage some parts of the world that are digital but are very cool. Yeah, so, entertainment exactly. and enjoyment aren't sinful. Yeah, they are in themselves. But just like oh, I think Second Corinthians, but I'm not going to get this right. Um, just like Paul calls us to, we need to take every thought captive to Christ. This mm-hmm. isn't a thing that we have to let consume our lives or or abstain yeah. totally from. These are things that like let let Christ interact with it, and and just like the moon, plant His flag in it and say, yep. "This is mine now," yep. and uh, this is what I deem redeemable, and this is why I think is should be avoided. And and like however that journey works for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think of it as, and I know, Donnie, I want to I get your thoughts, but I think of it like when Paul shows up to Mars Hill, yeah, and he's just like goes straight to their like place of discussion, even though half of half of the the views and the things they are doing and the Hellenistic thinking is not ideal for Christianity. He figures a way to interact with them in a way that comes across, and I think Jesus isn't afraid of video games. He's not afraid of VR. He's not. He's not looking down on it going, man, that's inherently sinful. He's seeing the people behind the controllers. He's seeing the people behind the headsets. He's recognizing their hearts and their stories, and he wants them. That's what he wants, and he's yeah. he's going to use any medium that he wants to get them, and I think we should be afraid. Greg Rochelle has a great quote. I will do anything short of sin to save someone, and I believe that is the heart of Jesus. <laughs> that's just the heart of Jesus. He'll do anything short of sin to save somebody. And so um, I hope this has been a helpful discussion. Um, it's been yeah. a little longer than normal episodes. <laughs> yeah. We had a lot to get through. Yeah. Um, the potential, I think, for uh, comments as large. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
or uh, discussions, uh, you know, let us know what your thoughts on video games are. If you have some history, what was your first game that you played? Yeah. Um, I would love to know that. Yeah. Um, you know, have they been a positive influence in your life or a negative or a neutral or a numbing or are, whatever? Are, are, is are there they still aspect? an influence? Yeah. Are they still say, an influence? Is there yeah. anything we missed or is there aspects of this that we're not thinking through or maybe we need to, to reevaluate? So I really appreciate if you have spent this entire time listening and you've made it this far gold star for you. <laughs> we are <impressed>. also <laughs> nerd. Queen. <laughs> You're smarter. Sorry, we're not saying that in the camera. We're saying that into the mirror. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Takes one to new. Bunch one. of nerds <laughs> talking <Yeah>. about games. <laughs> yeah. well, if you found this helpful or you find uh, you found this uh, to be engaging and you think that would be something worth sharing, please. Uh, Give us a good rating on um, all these (laughs) podcast apps. And if you are on YouTube, hit the subscribe button for more. So till then, have a great glorious day in the Lord. See you guys later. See ya.